Lord's house this morning, and Merry Christmas Eve. Amen. Let's all stand together. Turn to page 118. Page 118 with me this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let's sing it out, all verses, as we begin this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let Christmas Eve, and it's good to gather together with God's people and honor our Savior. Amen. And uh, my family has a tradition on Christmas Eve that we call each other first thing in the morning, and the first one that says Christmas Eve gift, uh, that person has to buy them a Christmas present. So Christmas Eve gift. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. But sure glad you're here uh, this morning. And uh, looking forward to what God has for us uh, today. Of course, tonight, don't forget about we are having our evening service tonight at 5 o'clock. And so, again, it'll just be one evening service, no Bible study or anything uh, like that. But do want to encourage you to be here again and be in your place as we honor our Savior. Certainly glad to have uh, several guests here with us and, and family members and things like that. We're thankful that you're here uh, as well, and uh, sure thankful our, our great God sent His only begotten Son so that we can be saved this morning and have forgiveness of our sins. Let's pray together this morning, ask God to bless our services. I, I know this, that there's a lot of family stuff, there's a lot of things, traditions, different things like that, but let's let our hearts and minds be here, amen, and, and let God speak to us and challenge us because if we don't get what God has for us in the birth of the Savior and salvation, we've missed, we've missed Christmas in its entirety, all right? And so that's really what it's all about. I'm going to ask Brother Alan Quinlan if you would open us in a word of prayer this morning.
Amen. Why don't you be seated, and at this time we have a choir uh, special entitled Christmas Grace.
Aren't you thankful for God's grace this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together, please. Turn to page 133. Page 133. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Page 133. We'll sing all three verses together this morning. Lift it up together with me on that first verse now. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. shake hands together this morning. It is good to have everyone here. Good to have visitors with us. We're thankful you chose to be here this morning.
page 133. If you need that page number, page 133. We're going to sing that last verse together. Yay, Lord, we greet thee. Let's sing it out together. Yay, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory give. Word of the Father, now in flesh appear. As the offering starts, the ladies are going to be, uh, uh, will be enjoying a piano duet from the ladies here in just a minute. But as the men come forward, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 2. It says in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Then we skip down to verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down, not presenting their gifts yet, but they worshipped him. Amen. That all our service, all of our gifts should be preceded by worship. Amen. The teens have seen that in the life of Abram lately, but it continues. And then when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. For the Don Catanic, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
Praise the Lord. What a wonderful arrangement. Amen. Praise the Lord for all he's done for us and thankful for the ladies that have put in all the time to work on these things. We have a lot of great talent in our church and praise the Lord for that. Amen. Let's stand together and turn to page 132. We have a lot to rejoice in this morning in the birth of our Savior. Page 132. Good Christian men rejoice. Let's sing all three verses this morning. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Ox and ass before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door and now is blessed forevermore. Christ is born for this. Christ is born for this. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ is born to save. Christ is born to save. He was born to save, and if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you can know him today. Amen. Let's all remain standing. Get your Bibles ready for the message this morning. feels like Wednesday night service, amen, that's kind of how we do it around here, we're in a song and then jump right into the message and it's dark enough outside with all this rain, it feels like Wednesday night too, amen. Well, sure glad you're here uh, this morning and do want to invite you to the Gospel of Luke and uh, chapter number two this morning and uh, Luke and, and chapter number two. Now I do, I, I do want you to understand as well that, you know, I know there's a lot of folks that are here this morning visiting and things like that, but we're actually we're actually preaching through the Gospel of Luke on Sunday mornings. And so we've been in chapter number one for, uh, I guess, maybe the last couple of months or so and have been looking at the things there. We, we know this, that a lot of that, a lot of chapter one was focusing on the faith of Mary and the faith of, of Zachariah, uh, Zacharias as they received these announcements from the angel Gabriel that that God is at work among them and God is uh, preparing things. And so Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, they, would, uh, they would receive the announcement of John the Baptist and being born into their family. And, and of course, Zacharias didn't have great faith, but he got, a, he got a second chance, amen. Aren't you glad God's a God of second chances? And uh, so he did. He, he knocked it out of the park. He named his son John because that's what God said to do. And so because of that, his tongue was loosed. He began to praise God. Had a tremendous impact on his neighbors and cousins who tried to name his kid the wrong name. Amen. That's what neighbors and cousins do. They just cause trouble. Amen. So, uh, but anyway, Zacharias, he followed through. All right. So, but, but this is what I want you to see. Where chapter 1, we focused on the faith of, of Joseph, or, or Mary and Zacharias. There's something else that needs to be pointed out, and that is this. God's Word always comes to pass. It always comes to pass. 
where God said that Zacharias and Elizabeth, you're going to give birth to a son, even in your old age. Guess what? God's word came to pass. So now we come to Mary. And Mary is a virgin, and she has conceived a child of the Holy Ghost, all right? But, but we also know this in verse 37 of chapter 1. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And so God's word is going to come to pass. And so let's look down at verse number 1 of chapter number 2. It says, and it came to pass. Well, what came to pass? God's word came to pass. So it says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And that is all of our favorite subjects this morning right there, the subject of taxation, amen. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is Bethlehem, and note the parentheses here, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And so he goes to be taxed there in verse number 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I, I don't know about you, but I love that we are getting right to Luke chapter 2 and the Christmas story on the day before Christmas. What a blessing that is. And this is the Christmas story. Listen to this. Christmas is not about Santa Claus. And it's not even about the gifts and, the, and, and you know, the trees, the lights, the, the family tradition. Not even about those things. That, that we enjoy. Christmas is about the love of God. It is about the love of God in sending His only begotten Son into this world so that man can be forgiven of his sin and have eternal life. All right? And the only way that happens is through the birth of Jesus Christ because you and I are not going to earn it. All right? It has to come through faith in Jesus Christ. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. This is Chris, the Christmas story part one. All right, tonight will be part two. So if you don't know, if you want to hear, you got to come back tonight. All right, anyway. But this is what I, this is what I said this morning. This is the message of the manger. All right, and really, you got to understand, physical, physical localities can have a message to them. The manger scene most certainly does. If it, li listen, if it's neutral, if it's neutral and doesn't have a message, then why is it under attack? Why is it that people want nativity scenes removed? Here's why. Because it says this, that man is a sinner, but God saves. All right? And man needs to be saved. God sent his only begotten son to be born so that man can be saved. Father, bless the preaching now. Thank you for these dear people that are here this morning. And certainly our prayer is, as Faith Baptist Church, that every person here, that they know Christ as their Savior. They don't just know of him, but there's been a time and a place, Lord God, where you have dealt with them and convicted them of their sin, their eternity without you. And Lord God, that they've looked to you and they've called upon you in faith and trusted in you and they know you as their Savior. I pray that every person here knows that. But if not, let today be the day of salvation. What a gift, Lord, that man...
can receive today in salvation and eternal life and peace with God in you. But even us who are saved this morning, Lord, let this story not be old hat, but Lord, rather may we rejoice, may we see the humility and the love and the goodness and the grace of our God, the example that you set before us and that we would receive that message as well. Lord, thank you for the morning. Pray that you would bless now in the preaching, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? Again, sure appreciate you standing in honor uh, of God's word. I read Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning. What a great reminder that God's people stood and honored God's word, and I think we ought to still do that, amen. I remember back in October during our fall uh, revival, we had uh, hosted Brother Dean and Miss Susie Herring there uh, who pastors up in Idaho. Brother Dean's a dear friend, loves uh, history and those kind of things. And so knowing that, I, I knew that one of the things that we would do while we were here was to take them to the World War I uh, National Memorial uh, up there in Kansas uh, City. And of course, they had already uh, been to it years ago. We had uh, been to it a- as well, but we both just enjoyed it all over again. In fact, we all uh, got done and we began to sit down and said, man, I think I, I think I got more the second time than I did the first time. And the reason is because you just kind of knew what to expect and so you got to spend more time absorbing the information and, and, and those kind of things. But, but I think that, I know that my wife would certainly agree with me and I think even Brother Dean and, and, and Miss Susie would agree with me and maybe many of you that have been there would agree with me that really the primary message that that I got from it was this, is that America tried to stay out of the war. But as tyranny continued to rise and and American people fell victim to it, well, this country had to stand up and do something about it. That was the message I got. And, and, and by the way, and I'm glad we did, and we had an impact on the outcome of that war, and, I, and I'm thankful for uh, for that. But what I'm trying to illustrate to you this morning is this, is that if you've ever been to something like that, a memorial like that, or, or something, some place where something significant happened, then you know that there is a message that comes with that. When I say something like Golgotha, that ought to mean something to God's people. Because we understood that's where the Son of God was crucified and shed His blood once and for all so that mankind can be saved. When I say something like, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, though that is a local place, that ought to mean something to you and me. Because it's empty, because that's where the Son of God rose from the dead, friend. Listen, you, you got to understand this. The, the death and, the, and Calvary is the purpose of the birth, but, but you understand, the, the empty tomb is the proof of the birth. You, you know, this, this, is no, this was no uh, ordinary scene that's happening and unfolding in our text. And so just like Golgotha and just like the empty tomb, no doubt the manger scene right here certainly has a message to it. One one of the messages that I think that that is proclaimed here is this, the Savior has been born. The the Savior has uh, been born. One of the things that stands out to me, and I don't know if it stands out to you, but it does to me is this, the sovereignty and the providence of our God as He is fulfilling His Word and things are unfolding uh, in in this scene. Now, some of these things have already been dealt with even back 
in chapter number 1 as, as the angel Gabriel gave the announcement uh, to Mary about the birth of, of, the, of the Son of God here. So, so let me give you some, some things here and just bear with me. We might have a Bible study. Y'all all right with that? I mean, we are in church. We might, might ought to... Okay, anyways. So, so let me give you some things here. The, the first thing here that, that, that is obviously a, a fulfillment of Scripture is this. Mary is a virgin. She's not a perpetual virgin. Somebody say amen. Because Jesus would have half-brothers and half-sisters, but she is a, a virgin here. And, and in fact, our text bears out in verse number 5 uh, here that Mary is... Uh, that, that, that Joseph is going to Bethlehem to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. And, and so this tells us that, that Joseph and Mary, there's still a spouse to be married. They haven't come together as husband and wife yet, whether that be ceremonially, but also uh, physically. But you've got to understand the reason that we point that out, this out is because this is a f- big fulfillment of Scripture. And this, is a, this, was, a sign, this was a sign that was given to Israel to testify to them that this was no ordinary birth. You go back to Isaiah in chapter number 7 and verse number 14, and it'll tell you, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God uh, is with us. And, and so you understand, it was necessary that a virgin should conceive uh, of the Holy Ghost. It was necessary. Had, had, had Jesus been born of Joseph, he would have inherited man's sin nature and been born a sinner who needed to be saved himself. And so you understand, but because of this, this, this is the child of the Holy Ghost, and so this is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He is the Messiah, the very Son of God. Somebody say amen this morning so we would understand that. But something else that is brought out, in our text and even dealt with back in chapter number one is that both Joseph and Mary are of the house of David. They're of the tribe of Judah. This too is a fulfillment of scripture. Jacob would speak of it at his death at the end of the book of Genesis. In Genesis 49.10 he would say, The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. That, that's talking about the Savior, Shiloh the king. Uh, talking about the tribe of Judah. So, 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 so we understand that the Messiah is to come through the tribe and the lineage of Judah, but then David would be made king of Judah. David, as the king, would also receive this covenant promise of God during his days and his reign. Love the heart of David, amen. And, of course, he would, uh, God would say this in 2 Samuel 7, In verses 12 through 14, I want you to listen to this. It says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, talking about David and his passing, his death, he says, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, no doubt there's an application there to Solomon, but then it goes on to say this, He shall build a house for my name, And, of course, that being Solomon, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's not talking about Solomon. That's talking about Jesus Christ. In fact, he will go on to say, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. 
You understand, all of this, this, this is all talking about Jesus Christ. He would ultimately fulfill this covenant that God made with David. So I, go back with me to Luke chapter 1 there. You're in chapter number 2. It's why, it's why the angel Gabriel would say what he says to Mary. Look at verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign forever. He shall reign over the house of, uh, of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. And you understand that's going to be fulfilled in the birth here that's taking place in our text. But something else here, some, something else here that, that's really, really key to our text. The place of the Messiah's birth, it was to be the city of Bethlehem. It's to be the city of Bethlehem. Micah 5.2. That's one of the last books there in the Old Testament. The Bible says this, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall, shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Listen to this whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. You understand, Jesus Christ is not a created being. He's not an angel. He's not, he, somebody say amen this morning. He's the eternal Son of God who would leave the glories and the splendors of heaven and to fashion himself in the bonds of flesh and be born of mankind. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And no doubt Jesus would proclaim himself the bread of life. Bethlehem was the known supplier of the lambs to be sacrificed at the temple, which is no doubt one of the major reasons why the shepherds are going to receive the announcement in the following text. Well, why? Because the Lamb of God has been born. The Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. But, but to the point of the text here, the city of Bethlehem was key. It was key to the birth of the Savior as it would fulfill Scripture. Be a fact, you can go to Matthew's Gospel and go back and, and, and be a fact, Brother uh, Tim Quinlan read the text there where the wise men come before Herod as they followed the star and, and been looking to the birth of the Savior. And so they come in and, and they come to Herod trying to find out where is it that that the king, uh, the king of the Jews has been born, really the king of kings, amen. And so they come to Herod. Well, Herod brings in the wise men and the scribes and, and, and all of them of the Jews to, to ask them, where, where is the king, where is this king supposed to be born? And it says in Matthew 2 and verses 4 through 6, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, thou art the, thou art the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You know what they quoted to him? They quoted Micah 5.2. Because they knew, the Jews understood and knew that, that the Savior was to be born 
in Bethlehem. And that's exactly what God's doing in our text. Go Look with me in verse number 1 of Luke chapter 2. It says this, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so this is telling us that Caesar Augustus uh, is, is now enforcing a, a tax on the then known world under the Roman Empire. If you'll notice in verse number 2, this is interesting, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of, of Syria. And so this is interesting. Secular history tells us that this decree of taxation was actually made several years earlier However, it could not be enforced because of the wars and battles throughout the Roman Empire. But God, listen to this, but God in His sovereignty and in His providence is now allowing a time of peace so that this tax could be carried out. And as required by their family's heritage, uh, or as required by the Roman government, is the Israelites were to report to the cities of their family's heritage and pay the tax. And so Joseph and Mary, being of the house of David, came to Bethlehem at the exact time that she should be delivered. Now, I don't know if you've ever been through the birthing process, but that don't always work out, does it? <clears throat> I can remember being in Branson celebrating our wedding anniversary when my wife was great with child with my giant son. <laughs> Man, we were just having a great time. And the next thing you know, my wife comes in there and goes, I think my water broke. And judging by all of the stuff all over the place, I said, well, I think it did too. Let's get into the car and go to the hospital. And so we got in the car and we started driving up Highway 65 back to Springfield, Missouri. And she said, honey, you can slow down. I'm a nurse. This isn't that big of a... I said, listen, woman. If I can break the speed limit and drive like NASCAR and get away with it, I'm doing it. And so we did. We made it. Glory, hallelujah, everything worked out. I don't know. That wasn't even in my notes. That was all free. But the point is to say this. One of the biggest messages of this manger scene is this. This is no ordinary birth. This is the Christ child. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld the glory of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and, and truth. You, you understand, friend? Listen, what God has been pinning down in ages past throughout the Old Testament Scripture is all now coming to unfold in this manger in Bethlehem. And so the message is this that the Son, the Son of God has been born so that mankind can be saved. But this is something else that, that I want to point out to you. Is that really the other message to this manger scene is this, and though it may sound similar, but it's this. It, it's not only is the Son of God being born, but the Son of Man is being born. The Son of Man only Luke's gospel, you ever think about this? Only Luke's gospel contains the manger scene. How fitting that would be considering that the highlight of Luke's gospel is the humanity of Jesus Christ as the Son of Man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
considering, and, and this is what I want you to think about, and I want, just, just come on, put your brains on here just for a minute and give me this. L- listen to this. Consider what we just saw in God's great sovereignty and providence to fulfill His Word. The virgin birth, the line of the tribe of Judah, the city of Bethlehem. Yet in the midst of all of this, God allows His Son to be born in a manger. A trough meant to feed animals in a stable. What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that we can't see God's sovereignty in His Son being born in Bethlehem, but then dismiss it when it comes to the manger. This was no mere accident, chance, bad luck. Joseph messed up and didn't book a room on Hotels.com. This has nothing to do with all the silliness and and memes and jokes that people come up with. No, friend, that there was purpose here. There was intent here that God, listen, and I underline this in my notes, God humbled himself. God humbled himself and put himself in the bonds of humanity in a manger so that mankind could see his great love for them, he could relate to him, and then come to him in that same humility and faith. I'm telling you, you got to understand. Listen, the Son of Man, the Son of Man had to come in a manger, and here's why so that he could die for our sin. That's why. Listen, you understand, though he is of the seed of the Holy Ghost, the Bible also says this he's also of the woman. He's not of the seed of man. If he was of the seed of man, he'd have the sin nature of man. But, but you understand, he had to be born of a woman. Why? So that he could die on the cross of Calvary for our sin. And, and, and so you understand, this too was a fulfillment of Scripture that, that when man sinned in the garden, breaking his fellowship with God, listen to this, God already had a plan from the foundation of the world. And as God is putting the curse upon Satan, the serpent, in Genesis 3.15, the proto-evangelium is given. In other words, the very first prototype of the gospel is God reveals his plan to Satan and says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed. He's talking about Satan and he's talking about his son, Jesus Christ. And he says this, it shall bruise thy head. Jesus shall bruise his head and thou, Satan, shall bruise his heel. The word bruise means crush. And you understand, all of this was fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. That as Satan would bruise the heel of Christ on the cross of Calvary and Christ would die. Yes, friend, he would die and he would be buried. But three days later, he would rise again, dealing the crushing blow to Satan. That's why he was born, friend. That's why he was brought forth. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yeah, you understand? He had, listen, he's all God, but he had to come as all man too so that he could die on the cross for our sin. That's why the Son of Man came. But also think about this. The manger scene shows us that he's the great high priest. That he's experienced the firmities and the weaknesses and the struggles and the things, the temptations that we have. But I like what Hebrews says, yet without sin. 
I love, I love this. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm just share, sharing with you my, my personal, just my personal feelings on it. I want, you to, I want you to go back with me to verse number 5 again. In verse number 4, it says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, and I love this, his espoused wife, being great, being great with child, amen. You know, riding on, the, riding on the donkey with a basketball sticking out there, you know. And, but I love this, and I, want you to, and, I, and I want this to come out the right way. But I love the fact that Joseph and Mary, they aren't even officially married yet. Because that, that and, listen, and listen to this, that's not to say that it's okay for, for people today to shack up together and have children out of wedlock. It's not, 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 not at all to say that. That's not what they were doing here. We understand their circumstances were obviously unique in bringing the Christ child into the world. But doesn't it send a powerful message? See, while the self-righteousness of men and false religion may look down their noses in criticism... God's demonstrating through them that, listen, He loves all of mankind and wants all of mankind to be saved. And that, even, listen, listen the, and, the, and that He can use anyone who will humble themselves and submit themselves to Him. And it's just a powerful scene uh, right there. And what, li, listen, while I've witnessed people, I've witnessed people in our day and time who have rejected their need for the gospel because they chose to hang on to their sin. I've also seen people reject their need for the gospel because they had a false perception of God and their sin. They thought, God can't forgive me. I've done too much and I've gone, far, I've gone beyond what God can do in my life. And what I want to say to you is this, is that the manger scene demonstrates otherwise. It says this, that God's willing to go low. God's willing to pull you up out of the miry clay and set you upon the rock of Jesus Christ if you'll come to Him and be saved. But here's the last thing, and, and, uh, and I'm through this morning, believe it or not. I told Brother C.J. Reeves, he's doing junior church this morning, and I said, I don't plan to be long. And he said, I could interpret that in many different ways, preacher. And I said, amen, amen, brother. We laughed. He's a mess. So thankful for him, Miss Rachel. It sends the message that if God is willing to humble himself to this extent for us, then maybe we ought to be willing to humble ourselves for him. The truth of the matter is, you're here this morning and you've never known Christ as your Savior. That's really where it starts. By humbling yourself and realizing you're a sinner and you're bound for hell for all eternity. But God in His rich and great love for you sent His only begotten Son to be born of a virgin to fulfill the very Word of God so that He could die on the cross for your sin and mine and rise from the dead three days later and He can give you eternal life. But you've got to humble yourself and acknowledge God is right and you're wrong and then turn from who you are and your sin and whatever it is you're living for and come to Jesus Christ and He'll save you right where you're at. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I love Romans 10, 13 because it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter who you are this morning, you can be saved. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can have a home in heaven. 
But also, but it says this for you and me, child of God, humility and, and brokenness and, and, and emptiness of who we are and, and worship and praise and glory towards our God. That doesn't stop after salvation. That ought to be a part of every child of God's life. It's what Paul would write to the church in Philippi. And he would say this. He would say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know why? Because he is God. But then it goes on and says, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, God was made in the likeness of men and, found, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. I don't know about you, but the, one of the biggest messages I get from the manger scene has always been this. God's economy is not my economy. What should have taken place in a palace amongst royalty took place in a lowly manger scene, a stable outside of a crowded inn because there was no room. And they made the best that they could do and probably put a little hay in there for the baby and had the swaddling clothes as Mary understood her time was getting close. Can't believe she put up with Joseph to go to, uh, go to Bethlehem anyways. No, I think she knew. I think she knew what was going on. And what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that not only was the Son of God born, but the Son of Man was brought forth. And this is the example, child of God, that you and me are to follow. Humility, compassion, tenderness. Can I ask you something this morning? See, here's really the two messages. The Son of God's come so that you and I can be saved. And if you've not received Christ as your Savior this morning, you've not received the message of the manger. You need to be saved. And I want to invite you this morning. We're going to have a moment of invitation here in just a minute. I want to invite you to come. We've got people that will show you right out of the Scriptures how to be saved. Well, you know, you Baptists. And no, 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 no. Ain't got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with what the Bible said and what Jesus Christ said and what's required of man to be saved. And here's what it is. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you hadn't done that, then my friend, you're lost and you're in your sin and you're dying and you're on your way to hell. And you sit here this morning in your pride and say, well, I'm just going to stand before God one day and I'll square things up with Him. That's not going to be the time to square up with God. That's going to be the time where He squares up with you. Now's the day of salvation. Today, friend, to know Christ. And what a blessing it would be to leave this place this morning and have the greatest Christmas gift you could ever have. In forgiveness of, God, forgiveness of your sin and peace with the God of heaven and earth. That's the message, friend. The Son of God has come and you need to be saved. If you've been, and, and if you have been saved, here's the other message. God humbled himself for you. Why don't you show the same respect and humble yourself for him? Be in love with him. Serve him. Make him the very center of your Christmas. The very center of your life. Because of what he's done for you. Let's all stand this morning.